What's up, what's up, what's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Ray Talks Live. I hope you guys have been enjoying the podcast, and please continue to subscribe or hit that follow button so that you know when next time a new episode drops. Uh, remember, you can also follow me on Twitter at Ray Talks Live or on Instagram at Ray Talks underscore live, as well as you can always feel free to drop an email to me at raytalkslive at gmail.com. Alright, so today I'm going to revisit a topic from a previous episode that I did, and I am going to provide the link to that previous episode, Parents, Teachers, and COVID-19. And basically with that episode, I sort of gave a overview of what 2020 looked like as an educator. You know, how it started out as just a regular normal routine. Then all of a sudden, come mid-March, you know, school shut down, two year online, and then all of a sudden, the whole thing of coming back into the schools, which is still an issue and touchy for a lot of people, especially depending on the parts of the country you may be in, and depending on, let's be real, whether your governor is a Democrat or Republican, and whether they believe in science or not, probably has a, a lot to say in what how your school system is operating. But I know for me, so I wanted to update this in the sense of talking just about what does teaching now look like as more of an update. As now we're halfway through the school year, you know, we are only a few more months away from when the school year is pretty much over. And then it's summertime. So I wanted to sort of go back and revisit the idea with part two of that parents, teachers, and COVID-19 to sort of give you an idea of what's going on. So as the update is right now, we know that the vaccines are rolling out. You know, I can only speak for my state, Florida. It's sort of been a effed up job in a sense at certain times. You know, we still have a governor who wants to beat his chest out but doesn't want to take any responsibility for when things go wrong. He's quick to pass the buck to other people when things don't go out. But, I mean, for the most part, the vaccines are rolling out. You know, we have Pfizer, we have Moderna, and we know Johnson & Johnson is coming down the pipeline very soon. And there's now, once again, this talk of saying, hey, let's get the schoolhouses open again. And But in terms of opening up these schoolhouses, let's try to do it safely. You know, I mean, the COVID-19 numbers are still high depending on your city or county, you know, some districts are open full-blown, you know, and some are still trying to do the safe route by still trying to offer maybe in-person teaching as well as online. And even some are doing hybrid where kids come in for a few days in person and they spend a few days at home, you know. But like I say, when talking about this, I can only talk about my home state, my home county, Miami-Dade County Public Schools, and particularly at my high school, where over the last couple of weeks, we've had large numbers of students who had to quarantine. We even had, at one point, over a two-week stretch, where 17 teachers were out of the building. You know, 17 teachers, you know, were home quarantined, you know, and you really didn't got to ask yourself, is it really worth it? You know, like, I'll just be real. You know, Valentine's Day was just the other day. And that Friday, we sent almost 70 kids home 
to go on quarantine. And I even had one student who just came off of a two-week quarantine and now has to go back on another two-week quarantine. So the question then becomes, are we really doing the right thing by having schools open? You know, why can't we just stay online until we get this right? Like, I'll even give you an even more perfect example. One of my in-person classes is only 15 kids. And at a stretch, but right now, not even half the kids can come to class. I'm only down to six kids in person. The rest are quarantined, you know. So it, it kind of makes you say, like, really? You know, and then just even drop a little bit more and make you understand that, you know, that it's not the threat is really that of students. And let's be real. We know kids, whether it's in the elementary, whether it's in middle school or even high school, you know, they don't want to all follow the rules. You know, I can tell you there's so many times I'm in the hallway greeting the students when I have my in-person classes where I see kids walking and I got to tell them, like, yo, yo. Pull your mask up. Put the mask over your nose. You know, putting the mask and wearing it underneath your nose is not doing anything. You know, that's that's not helping. You know, and it's like, what's the point? Like, if you don't want to wear the mask properly, don't come to school. Stay home. You know, just have your parents flip you back to MSO, which is my school online for us. Stay home. You know, and I and one last thing, one thing news came out that in Miami Dade County Public Schools, you know, since this whole COVID thing, we've had over fifty five hundred cases that they want to report. But the ironic thing was, out of that number, it's really only been a thousand teachers and staff members who have tested positive with COVID nineteen. So that's meaning that's only like eighteen percent of this total number. The other eighty two percent our students, you know, and like I say, the question then once again comes to are we really doing the right thing by opening schools, you know, and I know here in Florida back in October when we had our first FTE week, and FTE for many if you don't understand, know it is full-time equivalent, meaning how many students are full actively coming to school, you know, and that's one of the one periods where schools say you got to make sure your attendance is on point, you know, because it's funding. That's, you know, the number of students in a school determines the amount of money that a school can get, you know. But the state had no problem in letting Miami-Dade County, as well as our brother county or sister county, however you want to say it, Broward County, you know, all start online. But then all of a sudden when October comes around, our governor, DeSantis, and the state uh, educational commissioner, you know, they're all saying, oh, well, you know, you all, if you all want to get funded, you, you need to open up the schoolhouse. You need to make it where parents can send their kids to school. You know, so basically you use funding, you use the money to force the districts to open back up to offer that when, you know, we were all perfectly fine online, you know. So basically you are willing to compromise not only just the teachers but as well as the students' health for money by threatening to withhold that funding until, you know, schools reopen. So basically we were like pawns in a way if you really want to think about it. But the question then is 
is it really worth it? Why should I have to risk my life? Why should teachers have to risk their lives to go into the classroom to teach? You know, as I said in that first episode of this, part one of this episode, if you want to say it, you know, to be a teacher, you have to love doing it. You know, it's not a job where anyone could just come in and do it. You know, a lot of people say, oh, I could do teaching. Teaching is easy. And I'll be the first one to tell you, look, I open up my door. You can come in my room, teach in front of the 20, 30-some kids I got. And trust me, I'll walk out the door and leave you alone. And then you tell me how good you are with it, you know. But why am I, Why do I have to risk my life, you know, with this deadly virus? Why do I have to risk my life to teach? But I have to come into that building because you're going, you're threatening to withhold money for something that's not that important. Because let's be real, most of these people, these top tier politicians, their kids aren't going into any school building. They're being taught at home or being tutored at home. They they're not stepping into a school. Trust me on that. They're not stepping into a school. And even if they did step into a school, believe me, it's very small. It's a, probably a very small number. You know, but it's like, I got to risk my life to come into school. So what do I have to do? Well, one of the first things I do when I come in, I Lysol down my room. I spray the air, everything. You know, I take the disinfectant, wipe down the desk and the chairs, you know, not only to try to protect myself, but also to try to protect the kids. You know, I mean, yes, they're students, but I look at them as like they're my kids and I want to protect them. You know, I try my best to make my room as clean and as safe as possible, although I know I can't do it 110%, but, you know, I'm going to try, you know. But like I say, the worst part is, you know, standing in the hall when I have classes that are in person and you see the kids walking with the mask hanging below the nose. But I'm, I'm not going to really blame the kids. Why? Because we got plenty of adults who walk around the same way with the mask below their nose. I'm like, that's not helping. You know? So that's all. But the biggest thing that was that amazed me was that now that we have moved into our second semester, the second half of the school year, the state sort of has pressured the districts into now saying, hey, if you got kids that are failing, who failed the first semester, you know, hey, they need to come back to the building. They need to come back to the building because obviously they're not trying to learn. And listen, I get that, but I'm going to be real. In real talk, a lot of these kids, and I can only speak for high school because I'm a high school teacher, a lot of the kids who failed the first nine weeks, the first and second nine weeks, so meaning that first semester, these would have been the same kids who would have failed even if they were in the building. So, meaning if there was no COVID-19, it was, we all just was normal as could be. These would be the same kids who would be walking the halls, not going to classes, skipping, not probably coming to school some days. These would have been the same kids who would have been failing even if they were not in the building. All right? So, let's be real. Why are we going to even sit up here and sugarcoat this? And want to talk about, oh, well, they're not learning. You know, they're they're falling behind. You know, and I get it. As a teacher, you have to adjust. You know, you got to be able to catch yourself and know that this is not working. You got to adjust on the fly. 
you know, my teaching style is still somewhat the same as if I was in the building full time with nothing going on versus when I had to go online. You know, I try to make sure I give my students work that had quality and meaning to it, but also made sure that it was engaging, that, you know, when I gave the instructions to the assignment, I made sure it was relatable. I made sure that they understood exactly what it is that they had to learn. But, like I say, this whole idea of, oh, they're not learning. There's no engagement. Teachers are not doing their job. It's not my fault your child is failing. Your child has chose not to do the work. And when are we going to understand that it's both the parents and the students' responsibility that they got to take responsibility for the shortcomings and the failures for not completing the assignment? You know, if I give an assignment where I say, hey, we're going to do this assignment and just knock this out, I can't force you to do it. I can't force you to pick up the pen. I can't force you to get on your keyboard and tap, 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 tap. You know, it's not my fault. You know, and it's just like in the classroom itself, whether before COVID, and it'll probably be the same way once COVID blows over and we sort of all go back to the normal life. It's going to be the same thing of students not completing the assignments, students still having bad attitudes in class, cell phones, and social media still being a bigger problem than how it's been in the past. And at some point, it's out of the teacher's hands. You know, a teacher can have great classroom management no matter how great they can be, but I can't force you to do the work. You know, I can be the most engaging teacher. We can laugh. We can have fun. We can joke. You know, you can learn some real-life things, but I can't force you to do the work if you still choose not to do there. You know, that's your choice. If you choose not to do it, I can't do anything about it. And, you know, and parents, and myself being a parent too, yes, you stand up and you defend your child, especially when it's necessary. And I'm with that. But there has to be some kind of limit. There has to be some kind of limit where you got to say to yourself, how do you defend your child when they haven't done any work for the past six, seven, eight weeks of school? You know, in Miami-Dade County, you know, we have nine weeks in our grading period and if a kid has not done any work for eight weeks, some parents sit there and think like, oh, if a child does one or two assignments, all of a sudden their grade is going to go from F to a C. I mean, like, what world are you living in? You know, if I've given 15 assignments and your child has only chose to do two, how in the world are you going to get that F to go to a C? That's not happening. The math don't even add up. You know, and it's like, why are we defending this? You know, I mean, then you get that progress report card or, or that interim report that showed the F. Did you not get that two-week failure notice that I put in the mail or maybe email to you as well? Did you not see that? You know, are you not checking your parent portal online to see what your, your child's grades look like? You know, what are you doing as a parent? You know, and instead of keep putting the blame on teachers, as a parent, you need to look yourself in the mirror and ask, am I doing the best thing for my child? You know, like, stop buying your child the newest cell phone. You know, stop buying your child these $200, $250, $300 sneakers 
for what? Bringing home D's and F's? And then when it comes time for graduation and the school calls and say, hey, your child ain't walking, all of a sudden now you want to become a parent because now you're about to be embarrassed because you don't spend now $1,000 on graduation stuff and parties and all this, but your child ain't finna walk. And as part of me is like, are you serious? You know, like I remember a student that graduated in 2020, just last school year. And honestly, the young man would have never graduated had I not given him the opportunity to do some assignments in that fourth nine weeks because he was failing the class. He was failing. He, he failed the class. Like, he literally was not going to walk. But then when our school did a drive-by graduation for the class of 2020 in mid-June, all of a sudden his family has this, rented this truck with the big, screen TV riding on the back of it, you know, showing his graduation picture. And I'm looking like, I'll be serious. Y'all do know that he was about that close to actually not walking, right? So the question then becomes, when is the accountability? Where is the accountability? Where is the responsibility of the parent? Where is the accountability and the responsibility of the student? You know, I get the elementary side. You know, they're little kids. But you know, a little kid can still learn a little bit of responsibility. But when you're talking about these are 17, 18, sometimes 19-year-olds, where's the responsibility? And, I mean, I know as a parent, you may feel like my child is old enough they could do what they're doing, but you still got to keep an eye on them. You still got to check in on them. You still got to make sure they are doing what they're doing. Hell, my senior year, my mom was still all up in my business making sure that when it came time for me to graduate high school, I was graduating high school with no questions asked, you know. So the question about this whole COVID-19, you know, this loss of learning, this loss of education, is it really the teacher's fault? I get that. But like I say, you know, as a teacher, I cannot force your child to sign in. And at the same time, I can't force your child to do the assignments. I mean, my assignments are posted on Microsoft Teams. You know, I hold Zoom classes. At the end of the day, I still can't force your child to do the work. And I'm pretty sure there are a lot of teachers who feel the same way. And with that, I'm going to leave you with that. So if you're, I want your thoughts. I want your opinions. And I look forward to hearing them. You know, if you are a parent or if you are a teacher, you know, what are your thoughts as we now move into this full year of a online slash in-person slash hybrid teaching that has been totally different, something that we've never experienced in quite a long time in education. But what are your thoughts? You know, I'm definitely open to hearing it. And maybe there could be an, another discussion of part three of parents, teachers, and COVID-19. So with that, guys, I'm going to leave you with that. Like I say, follow me definitely on Twitter at Ray Talks Live. Or on Instagram at RayTalks underscore live. Or you can send me an email at RayTalksLive at gmail.com. And with that, I am out. Hey guys, Free Lunch Coffee is on a mission to end hunger from the lives of young children. When you buy just one bag of Free Lunch Coffee, you are also providing 10 meals to children in need. And Free Lunch Coffee gives away 50% of the money they make to end hunger in the lives of young children. Their coffee is specialty grade, certified organic, and fair trade. 
They offer 100% money back guarantee for 30 days. If you don't absolutely love their coffee, they will give you a full refund and you can keep the coffee too. They also have amazing custom mugs and tumblers and every purchase provides 10 meals to children. Free Lunch Coffee is offering a 10% discount to my listeners. Use the coupon code RayTalksLive at checkout. So once again, go to FreeLunchCoffee.com, buy a bag of coffee that provides 10 meals to young children. Use the coupon code RayTalksLive at checkout.